Hello and welcome to Robin's Nest Podcast. Tonight is my first podcast and my guest tonight is my sister Mary Lou. She is from my mother's first six kids and then my mom was remarried and had two more. Hi Mary Lou, how are you? Hi Rob, how you doing? I'm doing good. So, since this is the first podcast, I wanted to go back to, like, when I was born. So, the stories I have been told was that I was due in October and born in August, and I was only four pounds, and I didn't come home until my brother's birthday in September, but we all have different memories, different stories. So who knows what the truth is? So what were you told? Okay. Well, first of all, us older ones called your dad, Bob, and we'll refer to his mother as just Bob's mother. (laughs) Um, Bob's mother wasn't always the nicest person. So she wasn't very happy when mom had Russ so from what i can remember is they put off mom and bob put off telling her that they were pregnant a second time with you because they just didn't want to get into it with her so they put off telling her for a few months and then when they told her they changed the due date to the beginning of october and then when you were born in august they told her that you were born premature (laughs) and I don't believe you're premature. I do not remember mom having any babies under five pounds. Um, so I think that the Bob slash his mom story is accurate. Makes sense. Having known her that, yeah, I could see them doing that. Yeah. And you didn't come home on Russell's birthday, which was September 21st. You actually came home, I believe, probably about a week after you were born. And then there was other stories that mom and dad had the RH factor problem. And I had to have a blood transfusion and that they had to go find my father in a local bar because I had to have a transfusion of his blood. Um, You definitely did have the RH factor. It definitely was cleared up very quickly with the blood transfusion. Um, Basically, because I didn't live there, I don't know if they actually had to track him down in a bar or not. But it sounds like him. It it does sound like him. (laughs) I mean, he was tracked down quite a few times, but I don't remember that part. But I do know you did have the rh factor and then you had to have a blood transfusion yeah so i think it's funny how there's just so many different stories of the same thing how we all remember something different which is another reason why i started this podcast because i want my story out there and i want my kids to be able to listen to this my grandkids And just some of these stories are just so funny. I mean, you just have to share them. You you do. And you are going to face a lot of um, different versions, I think, because each of us have different memories of different things. Um, So my memory might not always be the same as the others, you know, and they might share in a lot more memories than I do because I didn't live at home and they all did. So you could be getting different versions from the different ones of us. Yeah. So I do remember, like, I don't have a lot of childhood memories. Like when we lived in Paulsburg, I do remember the neighbor, Mrs. Francis, that we were all scared of. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Miss <laughs> Francis was an unbelievable neighbor to mom. She was an exceptionally good friend to mom. Um, 
she was a a slightly large woman. She had her own kids. Uh, some of them were a little older than us. One or two was uh, slightly younger than some of us. Um, she was the neighborhood mom. She was in charge of children. If she saw you doing wrong, she was going to snatch you up and make sure you knew you just did wrong. Well, I remember her. Tell mom, she's just going to take care of it herself right then and there. I remember her picking a switch off the tree and beating asses. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember mine being beat, but I do remember that. I'm trying to remember her son's name. DC. Who was that? That was Russell's friend. No, that was a that was a that was actually Miss Francis's older daughter who was married, had a child. Uh, and his, I'm pretty sure he was DC. Her own son was, um, I want to say like Charles or something, but that's not right. That's, I don't think that's right. So probably one of the other sisters is going to remember that name a lot easier than me. But she stayed right on top of everybody. So the house that we lived in in Paulsburg was actually two two bedroom apartments um, up and down that they turned into one because there was so many of us. Yes. So downstairs, depending on what day it was or what month, downstairs was a living room, a kitchen, a bedroom and a bathroom and sometimes that downstairs bedroom became a dining room depending (laughs) upstairs was the two bedroom apartment they ripped the kitchen out and made that a third bedroom and then there was a small uh laundry room that was also converted into a small bedroom if i've got that right and a bathroom and how about that okay. living room up there? That was a bedroom too, right? The, yes, the living room. There were one bedroom apartments. The oh, living room I became a bedroom. Two. The kitchen became a bedroom. There was a bedroom. And then the laundry room became a small bedroom. So it was five no, bedrooms. There were only one bedroom apartments because downstairs was only a living room, a kitchen, a bathroom, and bedroom slash dining room yes so so they were one bedroom apartments so i went past there a couple weeks ago just i don't know to run down memory lane and Mm -hmm. it's still there Mm -hmm. and elementary school is still there it was really Mm -hmm. weird because i remember there being a big hill when you went to park your car in the back and there's not really a hill there. There's a little the, slope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a big hill in Paulsboro. I don't think there are any. <laughs> it was a little slope that drove back there. But I don't know. As a kid, I remember it being a big hill. Just it's, In your mind, it probably was a big yes. hill because you were so little. Just like... Um, my grandparents used to take us to Xavier's somewhere towards the shore yep. uh, for holiday meals. And they had yep. this big giant chair there. And my grandfather loved him to death. He was just a hoot. He was a blast to be around. He used to tell us that that chair was from the Jolly Green Giant on the vegetables. <laughs> and we believed them. And oh, yeah. then that I went there. Like, like grandpa. <laughs> yeah. And then I went there when I was older and it really wasn't that big. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. Daver's was a, a really renowned restaurant. I believe it was on Delcy Drive as you drove towards the shore. Was it like um, Egg Harbor or something? It's not there anymore. No, it's gone. It's gone. It got, I guess it got torn down. Um, I don't remember whether it was actually Egg Harbor, uh, but down in that area. And it was an exclusive restaurant. You had to, uh, you had to have a tie and a jacket to go in there. Really? 
yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty exclusive, but the, I only went there a couple of times, but it was very exclusive. It was top-notch restaurant at the time. So we went there for what, like Thanksgiving? Um, I don't know what they would have taken you for. Um, and I'm thinking you must have been older, so most of the older kids were probably out on their own by then because I don't think they ever took all eight kids or seven and and them. You know, yeah, because I seem to remember it was a holiday, so I don't know if it was like Thanksgiving or Easter because it wasn't Christmas because Grandma and Grandpa came over Christmas Eve when we decorated the tree. And then I seem to think they were there Christmas Day. I don't really yeah, remember. I seem, think, I seem to think they'd come back. They'd go home uh, to Philadelphia and then they'd come back the next day. Yeah, so I don't know what holidays we used to go there, but... I'm, I'm assuming it was probably an Easter. It's, it's, you know, I don't think they ever did Thanksgiving or Christmas at Zabers, so I would imagine it was probably Easter. Yeah, because I... Maybe, maybe even Mother's Day. I remember they used to come over, like, every Sunday, and Grandma would bring that nasty-ass dry pot roast in that Dutch oven kettle. Yes. Oh, my God. It was so horrible to this day. She wasn't, she wasn't the greatest oh. cook. <laughs> to this day, I still will not eat roast because it just reminds me of just dry, overcooked meat. And I think Dutch ovens probably came into play even before crock pots. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's what it was. It was like a cast iron. It had a lid and a handle. And she'd come walking in from across the street. And I'm like, oh, God, that again? Yeah. But it was like yeah. every Sunday, the same dried up meat. Um, they usually did come for um, Sunday dinner quite often anyway. And it's really sad that a lot of those traditions aren't there anymore. Like it is, it is a shame that um, so many, so many family traditions have gone by the wayside. Yeah, so I think mm -hmm. I was like eleven when Grandpa died. Um, I was completely devastated because I loved my Grandpa to pieces, and not so much with the grandmother. He was um, an unbelievable man. He. Loved all of us equally. He didn't separate us out because we weren't Bob's children and you were. Um, he just was a very good, loving human being. And I believe I lived in uh, Florida uh, when he passed away. Yeah, I was only like 11 and... Uh, I ended up staying with Brenda, and she was married with John while my parents dealt with what they had to deal with for the funeral or whatever. And I can remember uh, my brother telling me that I was going to see a dead body. Do you know what dead bodies look like? And he had me petrified. That I had you, to go there. Did you actually go to Grandpa's? Yes. Funeral? Because, huh? yes. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed at that because our mother was a firm believer that children did not go to funerals and they were not to be exposed to anything of the sort. So, the one good thing I can say about my dad is he never like actually told me no like there was a period of time when my best friend was getting transferred out of our elementary school and she was going to go to catholic school so of course i want to go with her so i told mom that you know i want to go to catholic school i'm not even catholic but that's where my best friend was going and that's where i was going to go so because my dad was a truck driver. He was only home maybe a day or two out of the week, maybe every other weekend. She told him 
So when he comes home, he sits me down and he did not tell me no. He would make me change my own mind and tell him no. So Mm. he told me, you know, do you know what the Catholic religion is? I'm like, well, you know, I went to mass with my friend Laura every Sunday. So I got a pretty good idea. So I think. And then he explains it all, you know, how you have to make all these sacraments and you have to, uh, you know, tell the father, you, you have to confess your sins and this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, yeah, um, I'll stay where I am, but thank you. <laughs> and he did that when I was a kid and I begged mom that I wanted a pet monkey. There was no change in my mind. I wanted a pet monkey. So she always told him. And then he would come in off the road and he would sit you down at the kitchen table and he would say, I hear you want a pet monkey. Well, my eyes would light up like a Christmas tree because, oh my God, we're really talking about this. And I'm like, yes, I want a pet monkey. Well, where did you get this idea from? I seen it on TV or whatever. And then he just had this way of calmly explaining the rotten side of whatever it was you wanted, but he did not tell you no. So he was like, you understand monkeys wear diapers? Well, I've been infatuated with babies probably since I was a baby. Well, yeah. And he was, you know, well, do you understand? They will pick their poop out of their diaper and throw it at you. Do what? And he's like, yes, they will pick the poop out of their diaper and throw it at you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want a monkey anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But he always did that. And I tried to do that to my kids because it was just, I don't know, it was just a different way of looking at things that I, I didn't see that, didn't know that or whatever, but it was nice not being told no. Right. So you basically made up your own mind. I, I don't think he ever told either one of you no. Um, if the no came out, it usually came from mom, or like you said, he had a way of swaying the way he was thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, mom was always, I think with both husbands, my father and yours, mom was the disciplinarian. Mom was the one that decided yes, no, or whatever. Yeah, well, my dad, you know, was always on the road, so she had no choice but to be that. But she didn't tell us no either. She would say, let me talk to your father. So I really did believe I was going to get a monkey. I I really did. I think she learned between the first six and then the next two how to deal with it better yeah because i was just running around town telling everybody that i was getting a monkey (laughs) no i can't remember any of us older ones ever asking for an animal besides a dog or a cat maybe fish (laughs) um i was having a monkey i really was until a big turtle that was about it until he said it throws poop at you i was having a monkey but being the baby of the family i even i know that i was spoiled and you know that i got more (laughs) or did more than the rest of you but the other half of that coin is my parents were old i mean Mom was almost 40 when she had me, and my dad was, what, 43? Yes, I believe so. So I didn't get the childhood where, you know, they play ball with you or take bike rides or go to an amusement park or anything like that. So that's where I got the mindset that I was having my kids early because I wanted all that. But I think that's basically what you do. You always... I wouldn't particularly say, well, in a way, you were spoiled, of course. You were the, you were the baby. 
Um, and most of us, you know, within a few years after you being born, we're, you know, we're gone. So, you know, as you two got a little bit older, um, she only had the two of you. But I will say that, you know, when she was raising us with my dad, um, my dad didn't always provide financially the way a father should. And when she got together with your dad, she was much, much more financially stable. So she was able to do a lot with the both of you, but she did a lot with you because you were her little girl. I mean, and she could do these things. I think that she always wanted to do with all of her kids, but never had the financial stability to do it. So I think she just got to spend a lot more um, quality time with you and she was able to do things with you uh, financially that she couldn't do with the rest of us. Yeah, because I want to say a lot of the time she didn't work outside of the house. So, you know, that gave her a lot more time with me. Um, I know once I got to a certain age, I wanted nothing to do with my father because I, there was, you know, the two of them didn't always get along. My father was an alcoholic. They'd be fist fighting. There'd be police. And I was always, always close to mom. And I held a grudge against my father because I, I witnessed it. I seen it like, so mom would say, Oh, your dad's coming home on Friday. I'm like, Oh, I'm sleeping at my girlfriend's house. Like (laughs) I'm not going to be here. That's the part I don't think, um, you got to see until you were a little bit older, but because we were, most of us were teenagers by the time Bob, uh, came into our life. And he was uh, an alcoholic. We we saw a lot, you know, with the abuse. We saw, you know, not you know, just so not we just, not just towards mom, but towards uh, the younger girls. Now I have to explain to your people that are listening. We we separated everybody into these little groups. So we had the older brother. You had the three older ones, you had the two younger ones, and then you had the two babies. So <laughs> the two younger ones, uh, I think, witnessed more of that domestic violence than us older ones. We only witnessed it for a couple of years, and again, we were off on our own. And uh, So how old was Jimmy ones, when I was born? Well, if I was 15, Jimmy was going to be 19. Yeah, so, so that's... You were 18 when you were born. Gail was still 16. I had just turned 15. And Brenda was turning 13 right after you were born. And let me see, Kathy was, I guess, 9. And Carla was getting ready to turn 7. If I got that all right, which I think I do. It sounds about right. So that's the big age difference to why when me and Russell were born that everyone else was already moved out. I mean, not born, but by the time we moved to Woodbury, it was just a two-bedroom house because it was only me and Russell at home. So I don't have a lot of memories of all of us living together. I don't have, because I was just too little, but there was never a time from the moment you were born where all eight of us lived in the same home. But by the time you were born, Jimmy was already in the service because he went in the service at 16 and a half. And I never lived at home. I lived at my grandmother's. So there was never a time where all eight of us lived together. Yeah, and Jimmy had Jimbo. I was only a year old. 
So that's yes. just such a, a big age difference on why, you know, there's just so many different stories of what happened because we're just all over the place. I mean, there's the age. And it basically it's two different generations. You know, you and Russell basically are the younger generation compared to the rest of us. Right. We were so, we were so much older. Carla, I believe... Carl was getting ready to turn eight when you were born because she was uh, had just turned seven when Russell was born. Yeah, because so I was told between you and Carla. I was told that mom didn't let Carla go to kindergarten until she was pregnant with Russell because she always had to have a baby at home. Um. Almost. So, so Carla I mean, didn't it's go almost, to... It's almost correct, except there's um, seven years between Carla and Russell. So when Carla, Carla's birthday is in September, uh, and at the time, or at least mom believed at the time, you didn't have to send your child to kindergarten. You could hold them off and just send them to first grade the following year. And that had occurred, but I think it had changed by the time Carla was born. So, mom, we lived in Camden at the time. Mom did not want to be home alone. So, she decided to keep Carla home for kindergarten and send her to first grade the following year. The following year, Carla turned six, and Carla had to go to kindergarten because by then the rules had changed and you had to go to (laughs) kindergarten. Russell was born the following September. Yeah. So, so she didn't actually keep Carl home until she was pregnant. She just decided to keep Carl home for that initial year, thinking she could put Carl right into first grade. But that's where um, I get my infatuation for babies. It clearly for mom. I mean, I only had two kids, but had I been with the right husband, I, I'd had many more. But by the time I had the second one and was planning on the third one, I already knew I wasn't going to stay there and why bring another child in such dysfunction. But, you know, a lot of us got mom's qualities like mom was infatuated with babies and weddings and I got the baby's syndrome where, you know, I can smell a baby a mile away. I didn't so much get the wedding thing. See, I looked at mom the opposite. I saw what a struggle it was for her with the first six um, and how deflating it was to her. Um, And I had determined way, way, way back that I was having none. I did not want any of what she had been through (laughs) i didn't want any parts of it and of course that changed a little bit um i had the girl then i had the boy and then i had the doctor fix everything so i would not wind up with six or eight (laughs) simply because you know life wasn't uh all you always dreamed it was gonna be and what do you mean by deflating um Well, mom was very, um, when you hear the stories about mom, which I've heard numerous, numerous stories about mom, mom was uh, a lady. Mom, mom, mom loved being a lady, uh, you know, dressed up to the hilt, made sure that jewelry was perfect and the hair was perfect and the makeup was perfect. I mean, mom was a true lady, uh, and she loved it. She was very uh, girly, girly. Um, and once, this is, again, this is my opinion, once mom and dad got together and life started getting, you know, pretty bad financially, especially, um, and the babies were coming along every two years, she wasn't capable of being that lady anymore. And she was educated, even though she only went to 12th grade, that was a high education for 
most women back then. Um, and I think life was just very deflating to her because it wasn't what she dreamed of. Um, you don't you know, think like she a, wanted eight kids? You don't think she wanted a big family? No. Really? Because I thought no. she did because I thought she had that infatuation with babies like I have. Like, I've been that no, way from day loved, one. She loved babies. Don't get me wrong. She loved babies. But then she, she was done with them. <laughs> those babies became toddlers and little children. What a handful they were. It was no longer the glorified little baby. I mean, she loved her babies. She loved to dress up her babies. I mean, we always look like little dolls because she just wanted her be especially her girls she wanted them to be little ladies um but then you know the the reality side of life sinks in where okay now you have all these babies and now you have to figure out a way to feed them you have to figure out a way to to dress them and for them to have all their needs met and not being able to meet their wants and i think that's what i mean by deflating it was it wasn't uh, what she had dreamt it would be. And I think it was oh, okay. kind of a downfall for her. And, you know, my dad uh, had a bit of a temper. I mean, not towards her, towards things, but not towards her. Um, but he had a habit of quitting jobs every time he got mad. So there was that. And she finally had to go to work. To try to help make ends meet. And I believe I was probably seven or so when she went to work at the diner. Um, so, that, and I think that was, that was hard on her. That was, you know, that was definitely hard on her. Carla, Carla is seven years younger than me. Carla was the youngest of the six. Um, so she must have gone to work not long after Carla was born. And that was that was tough on her. She took a nighttime job, so she worked eleven at night until seven in the morning, um, and came home. and And we all went off to school, and she would do what she had to do with Carla, and then lay down with Carla, have Carla take a nap, so that mom could get some sleep. Right. Um, knowing full right well, she had to be back up by three or three thirty because we were all going to come stumbling in the door from school and she still had to do dinner and all that kind of stuff so um yeah I, th I think life became tougher on mom than what mom initially thought it was going to be yeah so she called your dad the coffeeaholic and my dad the alcoholic because <laughs> <laughs> your dad yeah. would you know spend his day with his buddies drinking coffee to where my dad would disappear into a bar my dad um, could drink coffee like you've never seen before. <laughs> <laughs> if my dad drank 20 or 30 cups, that's a low number. Wow. <laughs> so drank. I don't think either my husband. A lot of coffee drinking. I don't think either husband was any help with the kids. Um, I think my dad was initially, um, when I used to hear his stories, um, uh, if mom wasn't home during the night because she was working or, uh, you know, or first thing when he got up, he changed his fair share of diapers for sure. Um, he made sure in the evening if she went and laid back down because she didn't get enough sleep that, you know, we were doing our chores or, you know, making sure we were taking baths or doing homework. I mean, he wasn't a complete hands-on type of dad. But he kind of took that on a little bit once she started working. I don't think my dad changed a diaper. Um, probably not, but mom wasn't working at that point. But still, <laughs> how do you have kids and not change a diaper? Because you have to remember, again, you had, you had all these teenagers living there. So if the mom couldn't change a the diaper. There were teenagers there to change diapers and 
we all had a lot of experience changing diapers. (laughs) (laughs) We learned that. We learned how to, you know, feed you, especially as, you know, babies and toddlers and, um, and how to take care of you, how to dress you, how to bathe you. I mean, all of that was instilled in all of us. So it, it never came down to him having to do it. There's plenty of other people that were doing it. And I think and it's you funny. Remember, you have to remember, we were older. We were infatuated with these two babies. You know, we hadn't really been around babies. The only baby I can remember is Carla. I can't remember Kathy and Brenda's babies. Um, so along came, you know, you two, and it was like having a real live little baby doll to play with. I mean... <laughs> You guys, you guys were fun. This was great. You know, when I came over on the weekends, I, this was, yeah, this is really cool. You know, and I do remember, I think you were three and Russ was four. And I took you to the store. Um, you each had your piggy banks. And we had taught, it was Christmas time. So we talked about what you two wanted to buy mommy and daddy for Christmas. And the first thing that came up was a washing machine. Mommy needs a new washing machine. And <laughs> I had to really calmly explain to you too, that there was nowhere near enough money between the three of us to buy a washing machine <laughs> because I had only just gotten my first job. And it's like, no, there's, there's, no kind of money for a washing machine. But I remember taking you to the store and we looked at a couple of things. And of course we finally settled on some stuff and I'm not positive what I seem to think like a photo album and flowers. And, you know, I don't remember exactly what we bought. And you but still remember- do that to this day with your grandson. I do. I, I've tried to do it with all of my grandkids. I get that from my grandmother you know, the one that I lived with, um, because what my grandmother did was any change that she got through the year, um, and usually it was pennies, she would put in a drawer. And then two weeks before Christmas, she would hand me the drawer and she would tell me to go ahead and count out all the money and roll it. And she would take it to the bank. And that was my money to spend on Christmas gifts for everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of everybody, Um, (laughs) but she did that every year. So so when my, when my older grandkids came along, I started trying to do that for them. And I still do that with Jack, who is the youngest. He's eight. And I I still do that. You know, there's, there's just no two ways about it. Now, when I got older, it's the right thing. When I got in elementary school, they had a Santa's workshop. So it was like, I don't know, two weeks before Christmas, they would have vendors and or parents or whoever come in and nothing was over $5. So you would go home with an envelope and you had to put like mom, $3, dad, $2, brother, $5, how much you could spend on each person on your list. And then you would go into the one classroom that was all you know, all done up for this little Santa's workshop and you would buy things. Well, I bought mom this little, I don't know, maybe four inches. It was an ashtray and it had uh, like the queen of hearts on it and you slid open the ashtray part and I bought it, I don't know, maybe third or fourth grade. She had that thing for a good 20 years do you remember her having it my children had the same thing and for all your listeners out there my children are what six and eight years younger than you yeah um and we they had the same thing they had the envelope and i'd i'd mark it i'd put the money in it Mm mm-hmm and they would come home and they would show me all the glorious things they bought for themselves (laughs) Yeah, they also the same at the same time. She bought, uh, and it kind of stood up, and it was the words 
my daughter. And in the middle of the M, you could put a little photo. And he bought my son. And the same thing in the middle of the M, you could put a little photo. And I still have those. Aww. And I think they were probably in first and third grade. But yes, I still have those. Mom had that little ashtray. She kept it in her purse for... God, I had to be in my 20s or 30s, and she was still carrying around that $3 ashtray from third yeah, grade. Yeah. Well, when my grandmother passed away, I found um, I had gone to Valley Forge on a school trip when I was either 13 or 14, and I had bought her a little uh, bank, which was in the shape of a log cabin, um, when she passed away, I got the bank back from her, uh, her belongings. And I still have that sitting on my dresser. Wow. So that's gotta be 50 years old, <laughs> at least 50 years old. But I, I do still have that. And the change that she had in it, I still have. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean by traditions, you know, mentioning that I still do that with my grandkids as far as Christmas goes. I do because they are traditions that have come down. And so many traditions are lost. Have just have, are, they're lost. I yeah. mean, people don't do that anymore. Most people don't teach their children. Like this past Christmas, I was trying to teach Jack that he's now old enough. He has to earn his money to spend on Christmas gifts because I think it's, I think Christmas is a big thing and I think Christmas gifts should be given. And if you teach them when they're young enough, they'll do it when they're older. And that's how it should be done because I don't want to see that tradition go by the way. So I'm not so much giving the gifts, but how it makes you feel to give a gift. Well, my kids are 27 and 30 now and, you know, I'm remarried and their father is a half an hour away. So at this age, and I want to say from the time they were teenagers, I let them make their own decision of where they were eating for what holiday because I don't believe in you should pressure them. I don't believe in you should, you know, talk shit about the other parent. So even to this day, they're 27 and 30 and they usually go to his house. Doesn't hurt my feelings at all. And me and my husband, Paul, like we, we don't, follow traditions because it's only me and him here for most holidays so we just do whatever it is we like we like surf and turf and we usually do surf and turf on holidays easter just passed and we had ravioli and meatballs like so i feel as though i'm also losing traditions and i hope someday if my kids decide that they want kids that It'll come back, but I think you lose it once your kids are adults if they're not having children. Well, I, I think in a way you're absolutely right because we're living in a different lifestyle now. Um, my children, I would certainly be with both of my children every holiday if we lived closer um, since I now live in Florida, it's very hard with one in Philadelphia and one in Massachusetts. But like Christmas time, when I go up there to Massachusetts, and then my son comes up from Philly, um, I still feel like we're doing a lot of the traditions. The The Christmas tree is, it's done a little differently, but it's still traditional. Um, the food is still the same for the holidays you might we might have a little bit of extra things thrown in there because you know my son-in-law has his traditions um but overall christmas for me and my kids and now for my grandkids has uh pretty much i think stuck to tradition yeah and because we i don't have any grandkids 
And, you know, the age of my children, we just, we don't have that anymore. I mean, like, I'm not going to make a ham. You might not have it now. But if your children ever have children, um, that may come back together. Yeah, because, like, I'm not going to make a turkey in all the sides for Thanksgiving for me and Paul when neither one of us really like turkey anyway. Same thing with yeah. Easter. I'm not having a ham and all these sides. It's just me and him. What am I going to do with all that? So yeah. we're just right. very low-key because, you know, the kids usually go to their dads. I don't make them feel bad or guilty or anything. If that's what you want to do, you know, you're grown. Go ahead. And well, I'm think, quite comfortable. I think one of the things, one of the things you have to um, recognize, which I think a lot of people don't recognize until it happens to them, is once the grandkids come along, it's no longer being held. These holidays are no longer being held at mom's house, as opposed to now going to their house, which is different. Um, and that was very hard that I no longer had to cook those big meals. Number one, I, I loved cooking Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I dinner. could give I, two I shits less. just absolutely loved doing all that. And you're no longer doing all that. You're basically maybe baking a pie and taking it to their house. So it, it becomes a, a totally different role, which is, to me, was a little difficult to get used to. So even though you and Paul are by yourselves now, the future might come where you will be going to their house for the holiday. That and would their be funny. We'll be going to their house at some point. But see, we I've already lost that like you know when they were teenagers or younger than teenagers, you know, we had the visitation order on who had the kids what holiday so I did all that big stuff and I would invite all my friends who were single or married it didn't matter you know everyone should have somewhere to go for a holiday but since they're now adults like and it's just me and Paul I'm like why bother with all that what do we really want and it's surf and turf and that's what we do and there's no mess there's no leftovers I'm not spending three days in a kitchen I'm not at the grocery store spending three hundred dollars so I'm hoping someday if I get grandchildren that it would revert back to that it, it would be it would be good and again you know, never knowing what the future is bringing, you know, with me down here, I don't have any children or grandchildren in the area, which, you know, that makes it a little difficult when the holidays come along because you want to do so much, but you, uh, you quickly learn how to adjust to it. And this past Easter, um, our oldest sister, her husband came here, uh, Number six in the six pack, she came <laughs> with her husband and her son and his future wife came. So it's different, but it's still the same. I mean, it's so, you know, I was always a big person. I loved the, the hubbub of Christmas. I didn't mind going to the grocery store and buying yeah, nuts for, what for I Christmas. I didn't mind. And everyone always called me nuts for Christmas. Standing in long lines. I mean, it was all, that was all exciting to me. That was always the exciting part leading up to Christmas. So none of that ever bothered me. I loved baking. I loved cooking. I, I loved the whole gamut that goes along with it. It's, it's different for me now, but you learn how to adopt to that. I mean, I'm still doing all that Christmas shopping. But now most of it gets done online and I have to have it shipped somewhere. (laughs) See, and I'm take it or leave it. I could care less about all those big giant meals and the desserts and all that. Like, I could take it or leave it. So it, it doesn't bother me. But I'm hoping someday if I get grandchildren, we could have traditions. We could have Sunday night dinner. Like, that went wayside. I think that went wayside with most families where you don't have that uh, 
every Sunday dinner where you go to mom and dad's and your siblings are there and their kids and you sit down and you have a meal. I mean, I think that all went by the wayside. And I, I think that's a, a, a crying shame because I think it's had an impact on, on family lifestyle. Yeah, because even in my first I mean, marriage, we always went to his parents' house every Sunday for dinner. And when yeah. I first moved out, I was only 17. And, um, you know, we used to go to our mom's house every Sunday, every other Sunday, and his parents' house the other Sunday. Mm. But then, you know, mom moved to Massachusetts, and then we ended up at his parents' house every Sunday, every holiday. Like, you know, it, it was getting a bit crazy because my ex-mother-in-law could not cook to save her life. She would serve <laughs> raw turkey and stuffing soup. It would literally slide to the other side of the plate. Ugh. So I don't know if that's where I lost this tradition thing. But even after I got separated and I was a single mom, I got the traditions and, you know, did them with my kids and their their friends. I was friends with the parents, you know, they would come over and we would do all those traditional things again. And then once they turned adults, it, it was gone. Well, but it will, you know, in my opinion, it will come back. I've, I, you know, I have several grandkids that became young adults and they pull away from you. And, um, and then the next thing you know, they need you and, and they're around you and they're fun. And yeah, that's a whole nother podcast. And, I know, call that aliens taking them teenagers and then they bring you back an adult. My own children, I don't think ever um, pulled pulled away from me, so to say. I don't think they ever actually did that. Did we have our moments where we drifted apart? Yeah. And then you drift right back to them. Uh, or they drift back to you either or. But um, I think I'm still very close to my two. And I hope that doesn't change. And, you know, like I said, now I've got the adult grandchildren. So that's a whole different. Yeah, I'm still close to my (laughs) two. Me and my daughter, like, have the relationship. I always wanted, um, I call her my broke little best friend. Uh, My son, I'd like to be closer to him, but he's not driving right now, you know. And they're both in recovery, trying to restart life again. So they're in some kind of spot right now trying to find themselves and and I'm okay with that because that's what they need right now but I would like to be closer to my son again I would like to spend some of the holidays with him but for the longest time they were spending holidays with their dad because He's, his parents were still alive, and they didn't know if it was going to be their last Christmas or their last Thanksgiving. So they were spending all those holidays with them. And I encouraged it because you never know. And, you know, like we were spending all the holidays with Paul's family because between the two of us, he was the only one that, you know, his mom was the only parent we had. And now that his mom's passed, it's like, well, and covid it's like me and Paul at home on holidays and I don't care because I'm quite comfortable with it being just me and Paul. I just hope that someday, you know, some of those traditions would come back. Um, I find it's very difficult to ever think of, especially Christmas being by myself. I just, I can't even imagine that. I've always loved Christmas. Like I said, I've always loved doing everything. So I can't imagine uh, that kind of Christmas growing up in that big family um, it was 24 hours of chaos oh my god loved it even to a Christmas night I mean 24 hours of severe loved chaos loved it <laughs> <laughs> and I love that and and I crave that to this day I mean even before you guys were born mom and my dad 
took us all over to my aunt's house, like late Christmas afternoon. And my aunt and uncle had eight kids and there was minimum 14 kids in this house, plus some of their kids' friends. <laughs> and it was major, major chaos in this small house and nobody cared. Everybody was having a good time. I mean, yeah, you know, now- so... You know, I, I've always been a Christmas lover, and I love large crowds at Christmas. I think the worst for me is going to be, I don't know if my kids move out of state or they get married and they're with the other families or whatever. So far, I've been lucky enough to have them every Christmas morning since they were born. The first year, I don't have that. That's going to be sad. But yeah, they know. But they know that, right off the bat, Christmas morning is mom's. Don't make no plans. You know you're not sleeping in. Christmas morning is mom's. Then you can go do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it with. But Christmas morning is mom's. And that's how it should be. And I hope for your sake it does stand out way. Yeah, Unfortunately, even, I had moved out of state in my early 20s. Uh, away from mom, uh, away from you guys. That was that was uh, extremely difficult. Uh, I loved it when she moved to Massachusetts because I had my mom back at Christmas time, which yeah. mom was a great lover of Christmas too, and that's where I think I get it from. And I think that was the first Christmas I didn't have mom. So mm-hmm. I moved out at 17. I had Mikey at 20. So mom must have moved the year, that year, because Michael well, what, was, no, so was, Michael was 11 Mikey months was old. 91? Yeah. Yeah, mom moved to Massachusetts in September of 92. Yeah, because, and that Christmas I went up there because I wasn't having no mom for Christmas. Right. So right. I spent Christmas morning with my now ex-in-laws and halfway through Christmas day I hopped on that train with my baby and went up and spent Christmas night with my mom so it had to be 93. I have marvelous memories of Christmas in Massachusetts those first few years because Wherever mom was, yeah. I knew this thing <laughs> locked to. So it was always fun because somebody, if not a few at a time, were coming up. Yeah. So it was it was great. It was great. It was after mom moved back to New Jersey that it got very quiet. Yeah, so <laughs> I want to say I was 22-ish was the first Christmas I didn't have mom. But then a couple years later, she moved in with me and I had mom again for Christmas. But it really was a big thing when mom was here. I think, I don't know, after you start losing parents, the glue is gone. Yes. Everyone just separates and go about their own thing. And there's there's no strings holding family together anymore. No, no. And that's... That's the unfortunate part, but that's where I think in some ways most of us are lucky. It's extraordinary how most of us siblings can gather together, act like we're still kids. We know which one's in charge, which one's going to start some crap, and, <laughs> you know, which one's going to make us laugh. And, and Well, we that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but we still have that um, closeness when you put us, well, when you put most of us together. Um, and there's nothing like that. And I, I But it say seemed that like when mom was here. still from mom. That, that definitely comes from mom that we have that capability. It's not, 
that we've grown that far apart. We've just but grown. But it seems like when mom up. was here, we would forgive and forget with the siblings a lot better since mom's no longer with us. Now it's like, no, I will absolutely not speak to that person for the rest of my life. To when mom was here and you knew, you know, it, mom was having Christmas at her house, you would... I don't know, forgive and forget a little faster, a little better, because if you didn't, you were going to miss out. I agree with that, but I look at mom a little differently. I don't think most of us (laughs) were given a choice. You will (laughs) be at my house and you will be nice to the other person or else. And you, you never challenged that or else. You always just knew you didn't want that or else part. (laughs) So I think that's what did it and now without mom holding that over us no i i know for one i am i am guilty as they come that no i there are certain things i cannot forgive nor can i forget and i refuse to at this point Okay, and on that note we're going to end this podcast and We will have another one next week, and who knows who that guest will be. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you for being on the first podcast. Welcome. I think this was a lot of fun and very enjoyable, and nothing like going down memory lane. And we'll have you back on another one. Okay. Have a good evening. Thank you. Bye.